Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Uh, but it's good to have all of you here, and uh, like I said, this sort, this sort of thing has got thrown off a little bit. But if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at one verse today, verse 52. Uh, we're starting a new series today, and we're calling it Serial Christian, which almost sounds scary at first. Uh, but uh, this all stemmed about from a class that I was taking in seminary. And for some reason, they're starting to do a lot of these more what I call touchy-feely classes, uh, which I'm not a big fan of because it's just not me. You know, so they said at the end of the class, they wanted to know what we learned about as we're sort of studying for ministry. And they wanted all of us to get a box and they wanted us to put things in the box and then grab it out and say, and this is how I feel because of this, you know, and, and this is what I've learned. And uh, again, I'm not making fun of you if that's your thing. I mean, I kind of am, but uh, it's just not my thing. Okay. And so anyways, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, I do not want to do this. And they said that we had to use boxes. So as I was sitting there thinking about, you know, what kind of cheesy stuff can I do? Um, I noticed my kids all were grabbing out different cereal boxes. And as I looked at those boxes, I'm like, oh, I can use that one. Because the first one they grabbed out was like life. And I'm like, oh, we can talk about like the Christian life and life in general. And then uh, someone grabbed out um, frosted flakes. And I was thinking, oh yeah, in a ministry you deal with a lot of flakes and stuff. So, you know, I can talk about that, you know. So anyways, so I was doing a lot of these things. And as we were doing this, I brought it to the staff. We're like, hey, maybe we can do a whole series called Serial Christian. And so then we decided that with that, let's um, do a play on the word breakfast. And so we're saying break the norm fast. And the reason why I'm saying that is I think that we're living in a world where, um, man, I, I say this with all love and sincerity, but I think that some of us Christians are giving uh, Christ a bad name. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to break the norm fast and say, okay, let's get more into living like Christ did, you know, because he's the example that we should be following. So anyway, so we're going to take different boxes every week of cereal, and we're going to form a message around the obviously going to scripture first. But we also had another good idea in the staff meeting, which I thought somebody brought up. They said, what if for the next couple months, we start, we start gathering a bunch of cereal boxes and we give them to like some of the shelters in town. So anyway, so my challenge to you is over the next several weeks, I would love it if each of you as a family would bring one box of cereal every week. I think it would be cool. And then we're going to put them up here on stage. We're going to see how many boxes of cereal we can get up there. And then we're going to donate it to somebody. Now, some of you, listen, I, I, and I'm sorry I have to say this, but make sure it's a full box of cereal, okay? I don't want you just bringing something that's been left over that you didn't quite finish in your, in your house there, okay? So let's bring them in and uh, we'll be, all be a part of this. Uh, so as we're preparing today, and as I was working through this passage of Scripture, this is a passage that I did with the teens uh, way back in the day. And I was actually trying to find all my notes, and I couldn't even find my notes, but I remembered the message pretty well because um, I thought it was just so valuable and important to me. But one of the boxes of cereal that I wanted to work with today is this called Wheaties. All right? And I loved Wheaties growing up, not that the taste, because I actually did not like the taste, but they always had these athletes on there, and they were like, I eat Wheaties. And because of that, I can do amazing things. And I thought, man, if I would just eat more Wheaties, I would be this great athlete. And then I realized that you have to have talent along with it, you know. So it didn't get me very far. 
So we're going to be looking at um, Wheaties today. And you know that they put a bunch of athletes on there. And it's a lot of, a lot of people that we want to, um, you know, I guess model ourselves after. And it's always interesting to me because, um, man, when they started putting those athletes on, their sales just kept going up and up and up. But Wheaties was this. I thought this was interesting. Wheaties actually was created by a mistake. So Wheaties was created at Washburn Crosby Company in 1921 as a result of an accidental spill of wheat bran mixture into a hot stove, which crackled and sizzled into a crispy flake. And so then they found that it would be good for a cereal, and so that's sort of how that happened. Then they were trying to figure out how to name the cereal, because they felt like it would do well. And so um, Jane Bossman, wife of a company export manager, won an employee contest. The name Wheaties was official, beating out Nutties and gold medal wheat flakes. Which, again, I think that would just be a long name to have on a box of cereal. Um, the other thing is, Wheaties almost went under at one point because they didn't know if they could get this thing to start taking off. So Wheaties recorded their first ever commercial radio jingle on December 4th, or 24th, 1926, to the tune of She's a Jazz Baby by Bill Holcomb and David Miller. And when they did that, this brand started taking off. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the motto of Wheaties is the breakfast of champions. Oh, I guess you guys all do. All right. So, see, commercials work. All right. They're messing with you now. So, it's the breakfast of champions. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, man, there really should be a good play on that ourselves. And I, I started thinking about sort of this idea of what does it take to be a champion in our world? And in our circles, when we put like the main athlete or we put the main champion on a box of cereal, ours would be Jesus, you know. And again, we're calling ourselves Christians and we call ourselves Christians. What that means is we are disciples of Christ. We are to be more Christ-like. And so I want to look at this passage of scripture today in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, because I want it to be this focus on sort of how, what does it mean to play like a champion or to be like Jesus? Now, again, I told you I love athletes. I think that the time and energy that they put into making something happen is tremendous. Um, you know, like they got a gym, gymnast on this box of cereal right now. I mean, you know the time and energy they put into that. But my favorite sport is football, uh, for those of you who don't know. And so I told you last week I stayed up late watching the Ohio State game until halftime. And then I had to shut things down because we were not only because we were winning, but I honestly thought we were going to lose. And I thought it was going to be killing. So I was okay with it being, you know, sort of okay. But like I found that if I stay up, I will be mad if we lose. So anyways, I woke up later about four or five in the morning and found out that we only lost by one point, which I mean, just, I made me incredibly happy. And then um, later on Sunday, I went and watched the game. And even though I knew the outcome, man, I got really mad. And I was like, this is a good thing I didn't watch it. And the reason I got really mad is I was like, we could have had this game, you know? Now, how many of you watched the game on Monday night? Okay, so if you're like me, I was watching that game and I was kind of doing other things at the same time. Then all of a sudden I noticed there was just like nothing. And when I looked up, I saw what was going on. And if some of you saw what was happening, probably most of you have heard it by now, but there was a player there on the Bills, and he was just tackling one of the Bengals guys, and it just looked like a random sort of tackle and stuff. He got up from there, took a couple stumbles, and then just completely fell over and had some sort of heart issue that we've heard about. The most amazing, so I think in this short period of time, like everybody sort of became more of a football fan. Uh, but it was interesting to me how many people especially if you're watching the stands, how many like tears were filled in their eyes. And then people did what? They started committing themselves to prayer. And the teams got down on their knees. 
you heard some of the sportscasters who they didn't have any clue what to say as a result. And then you got one guy, I think it was ESPN, some announcer, he actually prayed on air as well, which I thought was just an incredible thing. And I thought, man, how many people need to go to God at times like these? And this is really our time to shine because people are calling on the name of God at this moment. And so um, it looks pretty good with some of the recovery that's happening and stuff like that. But everybody became sort of a football fan during this time. So I did a study years ago. And I wanted to understand the, the idea of football a little bit better, even though I played the sport. But I wanted just to get some stats on it. And so I started looking something up, and I want to give you a couple things that I learned. First of all, an NFL game is made up of four quarters. Each of those quarters is 15 minutes long. That means there is 60 minutes of clock time during a game. Now, during that game, they estimate that there are about 133 plays that you can get off in a football game. An average football play lasts about five seconds. So if you do the math on that, what you'll find out that in a three to four hour game, there, the ball is only in play for about 11 minutes. All right? So because you know with all the commercials and all the things you got to go through, that game is like three to four hours. So there's 11 minutes of play time. So an athlete during a three to four hour period only plays 11 minutes. But that's only if you're old school. Because old school, that means people played both ways. Today, people don't play both ways, right? So an average football player in the NFL, if they play every position on offense or just every play on defense, which normally they don't, they will play about anywhere from five to six minutes of actual play time. Now, someone once said that professional football is the only game where the most physically fit men stand around for most of three hours while another 60,000 out-of-shape people jump up and down and shout and throw their hands around for that same period of time. So it's amazing to me how much energy and effort goes in to that five or six minutes. I mean, think about it. These athletes, like they're training, like just not in season, but out of season as well. They're making sure that their bodies are physically fit. They're like lifting weights in and out of season. They have people who tell them what they should be eating. They make sure that they get enough protein in them they make, so they, they can build up their muscles. They make sure that they are hydrated well enough so that their legs and arms don't cramp up during the game. They're making sure all these things happen. They have a coach who spends time pointing out things that are going on or here's the game plan for the week. And he has other coaches around him that are pouring into that as well. These players, like they'll study their position. They'll go back to the fundamentals. They'll know what they're supposed to do. They know how they're supposed to run the play and they'll read their playbooks over and over understanding what they're supposed to do. And then they have to look at what the other side's throwing against them to know how they should respond or react. And they go over those over and over again. Then they watch game films to see how the other players are responding and reacting. And then they look for little signs that might tip them off to say, they're probably going to run this play or they're probably going to do this in that situation. So, you know, we're going to try to expose that in some way. And so they spend all this time, all this energy so that when they get on the playing field and they're in there for that five-second play, that they either make the big play, right? Or they could lose the game in that moment as well. So then my question for us is this. If you and I are willing to play like a champion for Christ, what will you and I do when our five-second comes available? And so today I want to look at this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that we read about Jesus and what he did. 
So it says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for your word. And today I'm, I'm just moved by the amount of people in our, in our country that have just spent their knees on prayer praying for one individual. And Father, what if we would begin to do that for others as well? I pray that what is spoken here today and what is read aloud would come fill our lives in such a way that would allow us to examine ourselves as believers, ourselves as disciples of you and say, you know what, where could I do better? Or where can I learn from? Help us to be more like you. I pray today that if there's anything that I would say incorrect, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only voice that they hear is yours. In your name we pray, amen. So growing up like a champion or growing up like Jesus, what does that mean? I, this whole passage, again, is interesting to me. And the whole life of Jesus is amazing to me. Because you have the life of Jesus. And we hear a lot about his birth and how that, that was fulfilled in a lot of the prophecies from the Old Testament. Like, here who Jesus was going to be. Here is some of the things that were going to happen in his life. And this is how you'll know that he is, in fact, the Messiah. So we have all that going on. And then we have in the time that Jesus is 30, and we have this time that he begins to do ministries. He's baptized. He begins to, you know, heal people. He begins to do his speaking. He begins to do all this stuff. And we have about three years of ministry that we talk about. And then at the end, we have a lot of passages about both sort of all of his trials, the, um, um, the death that he took on the cross, and all the beatings that he had, and all the mockery. And then we have his resurrection as well. So we have all that stuff going on. But it's interesting to me is this, is that we're missing a lot of Jesus' life. I mean, just a ton of it. You know, because what we have is we have his birth, and then we read at 12 years old that he was in the temple. Remember this? And he was in the temple in such a way that uh, he was sort of listening to what was going on. And then it says that his family left him. And I joked about this a couple weeks ago because I couldn't imagine leaving your kid and just going on a trip, you know. Now, I have five kids, so if we lose one, probably not a big deal, you know. But, like, I couldn't imagine having the Son of God, and all of a sudden you're like, we lost the Son of God. We're going to pay for this bad. You know, like, this is a big deal. Like, no one loses the Son of God, you know. So they go back, and they find Jesus in the temple, and they ask him where you've been. And to me, he sort of gives, like, a teenage response. He's like, what do you know? I'd be in my father's house. Duh. You know, and, uh, and I doubt he said it sort of the way I'm saying it. But, uh, but he's in that temple. He's at 12 years old. And then we have nothing. And then we have 30 that he's baptized. And then that's when he begins to do his ministry. And we realize that that takes about three years because at 33, we realize that that's when he dies. Now, again, here's, here's what you have going for you. I'm the son of an accountant. Um, so I can do some math even without a computer. All right, so I started doing some math in my head. I'm like, okay, so we have him at 30 is what we're told, and then we have him at 12. So we're missing like 18 years of his life. I mean, does that seem like a big deal to anybody else? I mean, this is the son of God, and we don't have anything about 18 years of his life. But really we do, because we're told in this passage of Scripture again, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So for that 18-year period, Jesus was growing up. Why? So that when he had his three years of ministry, he could give all that he had. And church, listen, there are some growing up that you and I need to do so that when our five seconds of play come, that you and I can do our best to respond to it. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. So first of all, we want to know this. is We need to grow in wisdom. 
And I love this about Jesus because already we read that Jesus is in the temple at 12 years old and he was talking to some of the rabbis and the leaders. That means he was asking questions about what was going on in some of the texts and some of the scriptures. We also knew that Jesus was memorizing some of the passages as well. How do we know this? Because again, when he's 30 and after he's been baptized, it says that Jesus was tempted. Remember that? And it says, so he fasted, didn't eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it says the devil came to him and says, hey, Jesus, why don't you take that stone and you turn it into bread? And Jesus, because he has memorized and he has gained wisdom in the scripture, said to him, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, he had the other two temptations. And each time the temptations came, Jesus was re- able to recite scripture. Why? Because he gained wisdom in that scripture. Now, this is what I found in life is the importance of memorizing the word of God. Because the word of God begins to help us to grow mentally when we do that. And so not only do we grow in wisdom, but we are growing mentally. And how do we respond and how we react and what kind of things we can throw back the devil's way. So there are certain scriptures that I have memorized in my life. One of them, and maybe some of you know the scripture, others of you don't. But it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, no temptation has seized you, but what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But if you do fall into temptation, he will provide a way out so that you may stand up under it. Now, again, that scripture has been valuable to me because there have been times when I'm going through some pretty tough things or I feel like temptations come in my way. And I think I can't believe I'm the only one in this that I'm reminded that no temptation has seized me, but what is common to all of us. So you and I go through the same temptations. Now, there may be different levels of it, but at the basis of it, it's exactly the same. We all want to be loved. We all want power. We all want things. Those are the things that can drive us to temptation. There are issues of lust that all of us have. Why? Because they are common to man. But it says this, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And some of you, I don't understand it because when I've heard your stories, I understand that some of you have went through a lot more incredible hardships than I have ever gone through. And what does that say to you? It says God has allowed those things to happen because he considers you strong enough to handle it. And someone like me may not be. And there are some things that I've had to go through that are pretty tough. And I'm constantly reminded that God allowed me to go through this. Why? Because God thought enough of me that I could make it through. And then I love this because my response always to temptation isn't always the best. And I would love to tell you that every time I think, wow, Lord, thank you. I'm really strong on this one. But there are times that I might react or respond poorly and give in to temptation. But it says this, that God will provide a way out that I might stand up under it. And there have been times when I've had to remind myself of God's grace on the cross was enough to forgive me for sort of the mistakes and things that I do wrong. So scripture is very important to us. It's also important for us to understand the importance of growing in wisdom and knowledge. And I mean, it's very important that we surround ourselves with people that have a little bit more knowledge in areas that we don't. So in James, he says what? He says, be, be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. And so what he's saying is there are times when you and I need to get more knowledge before we can ever speak into a situation. But the problem is most of us really can't shut up long enough to hear something. Now, have you ever, maybe you've had this happen, but there'll be times when I'm talking with my wife and I'm getting ready to tell her something. And, and in her mind, she's already forming a question that she wants to ask. And the funny thing is, I'm about ready to answer it, but she doesn't hear it. Why? 
because she wants to say something. She has a question to ask. And so she'll ask the question. I'll be like, I just said that. You know, and maybe you've been sort of in that situation. But we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. In other words, gaining knowledge from other people. So there's this passage in the Old Testament about a king named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, if you know anything about him, he's the son of Solomon. Solomon in the Old Testament is the wisest man that ever lived, right? He wrote all these Proverbs. So this is a wise dude. But Solomon has these officials around him that are also wise. These are people that he goes to to sort of ask questions and sort of gain a knowledge and better understanding of things. What's interesting is Rehoboam finally takes over as king and he's trying to figure out what he should do with the people. The question is this, should I tax the people more or not? So he gathers all of Solomon's wise people. Again, the wisest man on earth had these wise people. He gathers them around and he says, hey, what do you guys think I should do? And they told Rehoboam, they're like, dude, listen, if you would just be a little bit easier on the people, not tax them as much, what's going to happen is they're going to love you forever. Well, Rehoboam must have not liked that answer because he decided to go to some of his buddies who didn't quite have the knowledge and wisdom that he had. And he went to them and he said, so what do you guys think? And they're like, oh, you need to sock it to the people. I mean, let's clamp down on them. Let's charge them a little bit more and prove how strong and mighty you are and that you are in charge. And as a result, what happened? The people rebelled against them and Rehoboam lost his life, lost the kingdom. Why? Because he listened to the wrong people. And I think that that's why you and I need to understand that in order to react the way we need to respond to some of our situations, we need to get more understanding or more wisdom. You see, there's certain things that come to me all the time. I had somebody stop me this week, ask me a question about something that they're going through. And I have to tell you, I, don't, I didn't know the answer to it. So instead of responding and trying to give some stupid answer, I had to take a step back and say, let me find out some more. And what I decided to do is I started to go to the scripture I took some time to pray, and then I called up some of my other pastor friends that I believe have a lot more knowledge than me. And so one of them you'll know is, is Pastor Dave Holder, and he used to be one of the pastors of this church. But I also call him and say, hey, Pastor Dave, I just want to throw something at you. I don't know how to respond or react to this situation. And it was interesting, because what I loved about him is sometimes he'll say, yeah, I had a similar thing happen. Here's what I learned from it. Here's maybe the way you should respond. And this typical situation said, never had that happen, but you might want to go this direction. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to glean from the wisdom of somebody else. Now, there's something in my own life personally that we're struggling through right now. And I, I don't want to go into all that because I don't want to, you know, um, put innocent victims in the way of my messages. But we're trying to figure out how to respond or to react. And so we're searching the internet a lot. We're trying to find out from experts. We're trying to listen to other people who have been through similar situations to figure out how do we respond to this situation going in our family right now. And I will tell you this, I need prayer as much as anybody else. We're trying to figure this out. But gaining wisdom and understanding helps us to be able to do better. It's just like the athletes. They're getting wisdom of how they play their game. They're getting uh, understanding about how the other team reacts. Why? So that when they get into that game and play, they can make the most out of their five seconds. Jesus grew in wisdom, and he grew mentally, and he was able to respond to it because he did. Secondly is this. This is that Jesus grew in stature. Now, stature is one of those words that I always, I hate it. You know, because when you think of somebody's stature, you think of somebody that's tall. You know, I'm like, man, I'm 5'4". You know, I'm just this little thing. And again, if I had my wife here today, like I had her stand down there and I stood up here because I was finally taller than her, you know, so it was pretty cool. But uh, I don't have this great sort of stature about me. And so I always get puzzled with this passage. But stature, even though it means to grow physically, it's not just necessarily about growing physically, like as far as height, but it's about taking care of ourselves. And so Jesus was learning how to take care of his body physically. 
so that when he went around to do ministry, that he could walk, that he could do the things that he needed to do, that he could help in some of the areas he needed help. But not only that, but I want you to understand that stature is this. Stature is about the way that we carry ourselves. And Jesus was learning to do that for 18 years. He was learning how to carry himself in front of other people. And it's interesting to me because when Jesus came around other people, he had such enough stature that it said that people wanted to be around him. Matter of fact, because he had wisdom and because of the way he preached, it's often said that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because of the way he carried himself. See, I think he carried himself different than most of the other people out there. You probably had a lot of religious leaders who were just pointing fingers and saying, you need to change this, you need to do this, look what it, you know, and just kept beating you down, beating you down, beating you down. And Jesus was more a guy that carried himself with an act of grace and an act of love. And so when he carried this message and all of his knowledge, he began to carry himself in such a way that says that I care about you as well. You know, and I think that we have to watch about how we respond and carry ourselves. It's always interesting to me, if you watch athletes in a game, aren't there some athletes that just turn you off right away? I mean, especially if you watch, and I hate to see this, but because it happens in some of the young sports today, but you'll see certain kids and, you know, the ref will call a foul and they're like, you know what I mean? And I mean, they're just like, they're looking at your parents like, what would they do? You know? And I just kind of want to laugh at them, you know? Because what ref has ever said to a kid who does that, oh, thank you um, for correcting me and what I saw. You know, this has been very helpful and I'm going to make some changes about it. You know? Like that stature does nothing. And then what always amazes me too is you'll have some kid sort of, you know, he's doing this and stuff and the play is still going on behind him, but he can't help. Why? Because he's so worried about this. And it's not great stature, is it? The better stature is the one who says, got the back call. Keep going. And I think that that's what Jesus was learning as well. That sometimes we're not always going to get the breaks and we're not going to always get the call. But the way I respond is all about stature, the way I carry myself. So there are people, and even in ministry, and probably even in life you realize too, that will come and they'll attack you. But what you're realizing is how you should respond. And what's amazing to me is Jesus learned all this so that when Jesus was basically accused... When he was falsely accused, Jesus' response was still to love. When Jesus was being beaten and spit upon and mocked, when he was on the cross, he still showed love by saying, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Let me ask you something. If Jesus would have just ripped them apart on the cross, do you think that would have spoke as loud as what he did? I think that act of grace, that act of love, that act of the way he carried himself, in that moment spoke much louder than any loud voice ever would have. And so a stature is about the way people see us physically as well. Thirdly is this. It says that Jesus grew in favor with God, which again goes against some of the scriptures we read because we read that God does not show any favoritism, right? And so, and I mean, if you've had kids, you know that your kids will be like, well, that's your favorite. And I was like, yep, you're right. They are. I actually love them way more than I love you. You know, like that's what I always want to say. And I have to tell you, I don't have favorites as far as kids are. But there are times when certain kids I show favor to. Why? Because certain kids are more obedient or more reliable in certain situations. Yeah, even as a youth pastor, I found this to be true. There were certain kids that I knew if I called them, they would be there and show up and they would help. So I would call them over and over again because I knew that they were going to be there. In the scriptures, we read that there were certain people that were people after God's own heart. For example, David. 
It says, was a man after God's own heart, and yet he had a big moral failure. But it still says that he found favor in God's eyes. There was Joseph that we read about in the Old Testament. It says that he found favor in God's eyes. Why? Because he was obedient to God. He trusted God through the, old, the whole thing, and he still went to them. Now you look at the life of Jesus, and think about this. And this is sort of hard for all of us to comprehend, and I don't always fully understand it. But when we talk about the Trinity, we understand that there is one God, but there are sort of like these three beings in this one God. And we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came to earth, he threw off his deity or his godness and became human. And then he became obedient to the Father, is what it says. And his, in his obedience, it says that he found favor in God's eyes. Why? Because he did the mission that God had called him to do. And he did it in such a faithful and loving way. And I love the story of Jesus because whenever Jesus goes through some pretty tough things in life, Jesus' response is to always go to prayer. Now, it's interesting to me, like, when people go to prayer, you know, some of you will go to prayer through some of the tragedies of life, right? Some of you, you get on the plane, and you feel, like, turbulence like me, and you're like, you want to get out of your seat, and you want to get on your knees right there, and you want to tell everybody else, let's pray together, you know? Some of you get on a roller coaster, and you're, like, you're, like, promising God, I'll never get on here again, or I'll go to Africa if you want me to. It's always Africa, by the way, we go, you know, when we're praying to God. But, like, we want to go somewhere because, you know, God, if you just help me out in this situation. Man, all these players got down on their knees in a tragic moment. When Jesus was facing some of the hardships in life, when John the Baptist, his cousin, was, was beheaded, and Jesus had found out, he told the disciples, let's get together. Let's go to the other side and let's pray. Just before Jesus was being arrested and he knew that he was going to give his life on the cross, what did he say? He told the disciples, let's get together, let's keep watching, let's pray. And then in that prayer, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he was obedient to God in that moment and God found favor in that moment. And because of that, Jesus is growing spiritually. And church, listen, there are times that you and I just have to be obedient to God. There are times we may not have all the answers. We may not understand everything that God's saying. And one of the reasons is we don't see the bigger picture. What's interesting to me about these football games is you have the coaches on the field, but you also have this group of coaches that are way up high in the press box. And they're doing what? They're watching things from a longer way away so that they can see the bigger picture. And I don't always understand why things happen. I don't understand how this all connects. But I have to believe God, who was way up high, is looking at the bigger picture. And he is doing it to bring glory to his name. And I have to be obedient in those moments. And that's a growth of, uh, of, of being spiritual as well. Like I'm growing in my spirituality because I'm trusting and leaning on God more and more. I don't understand why this thing has happened. I don't understand why I've lost this loved one. I don't understand why I have this disease. I don't understand why I lost my job. I don't understand why all these bad things are happening to me. But I don't see the bigger picture. And I just need to remain faithful to God in the midst of all of this. You know, Jesus at the end of the day dies on the cross. But he rises again. And even though I may experience some of the harshest things on this life, I know that I too will rise again. And it'll all be worth it. And that's an act of growing spiritually as well. And then it says that Jesus grew in favor with man. And this is about how we grow socially as well. 
And I love Jesus' response to people because Jesus was the leader man who was like, you remember when all the little children were coming around? And the disciples were like, oh, we don't have really time for these kids. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is the kingdom. I've had people often talk to me as pastors and say, Pastor, like sometimes we have some of the service and some of those babies are really noisy and stuff. And doesn't that bother you? And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's why God gave me five kids again. I worked through the noise. I learned when to tune things out. It's not a big deal. But to me, I would rather hear kids in a sanctuary than to hear nothing in emptiness in a sanctuary. Because for such is the kingdom. You know, those are powerful things. Jesus was the same one, too. Who Remember there was that woman that came into the well? And she'd been married to several people. And the guy she was living with wasn't even married. And she was coming to the well at a weird time of day. Probably because she didn't want to be seen by society. Because she was sort of pushed out. And Jesus treated her differently than anybody else had. And he loved her in a real way. You see, what we find is Jesus was very approachable. The woman that had been bleeding for 12 years felt like she could touch the hem of his garment. He was approachable. And I want to know sometimes, are you and I approachable? I often say this when I get to speak to um, some, of the, um, some of the athletic groups and some of the schools and stuff. But I don't know if sometimes some of these high school students or junior high students who ever understand the value of, um, of showing favor with man. And so one of the things I say to them, I say, look, I said, if you want people to show up to your game, then it matters how you treat them in the hallway. I said, if you want people to show up to your game, then you better be respectful when you see one of those adults. If you want other kids your age to show up to their game, why don't you show up to their stuff as well? Because I promise when you do that, you create a community that when all of a sudden you get in a big game and you hear some of that noise level and stuff, I mean, the noise level, like there's a football level of noise that you hear, but if you've ever been in a gym and you have a student section in a gym for a basketball or volleyball game, man, it is loud. But what's happening is those people are saying, we're here for you, we're going to help you. And it kind of can distract the other team at times with all that noise level because they can't hear each other and, and get to where they need. And then it sort of pushes the group through as well, makes them feel more confident and stuff as well. But if you show a little bit of favor to your fellow man, then they'll show up for you as well. And you see, what we have to realize too is that there's an importance in us finding favor in the people around us. It matters how we treat people. It matters how I love my kids. It matters how I discipline my kids. Do you hear that? I didn't say don't discipline your kids. I said it matters how you discipline your kids. And when I do it out of love to correct them, man, that makes a big difference later. You know, it matters how you treat people at work. You know, you're in a supervisor role, but you don't treat your staff with any respect or dignity. They're not going to go to bat for you. They're not going to give their all. But if you show favor to people and respect them, They'll show up for you. And Jesus was growing in all these different areas. Why? Because when his three years of ministry came, he impacted the world like no one else did. And so my question for us is this. How do you and I need to grow today so that when our five seconds come, that we can play like a champ? Like what are some of the things that I need to learn about my family right now? What are some of the things I need to learn about my kids that I'm growing wisdom and one of the things that I'm realizing, like, I don't need to overreact to my kids because it's about stature. And I want them to feel like they can come to me and like I'm approachable. What are the things I'm doing to ask God to help him intervene in that situation? 
And then what are the ways that I'm growing with my kids in such a way that they say, boy, I think I need to listen to dad because he loves me enough to speak truth into my life. So you can take that with any situation in life. And if you're growing the way Jesus did, when your five seconds comes, it's going to allow you to play like a champ. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for the way that you use your word to speak to us. We've been talking a little bit today about playing like a champion, and really what it means is to be like you. And so, Father, I pray that even now that many of us will evaluate our own lives and say, okay, how can we be more like Jesus in what we do and say and how we respond and react? So if there are some of us that need to grow in wisdom, help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and learn from other people who know better than we do. Father, there are some of us that need to work on our stature and just how we respond or how we react. Help us to just take a pause or a moment to step back and say, you know what? I don't want to give too much off here. I don't want to push people away because I want them to feel like I'm approachable. If there are times that we just got to call upon you, may you give us times where we either get down on our knees or spend some time in the car or just, just man, just again, being slow to speak because we're going to share requests with you, but give us time to listen as well. And say, okay, what is God trying to say? What is he trying to teach me? How am I supposed to grow? And then, Father, help us to be good enough with other people in our lives that they find in favor and that, man, that they're there to help us and we're there to help them. So, Father, thank you for meeting with us now. Whatever thing, situation, I pray that all of us will be able to just reflect on our own situation and put it in that format and figure out how to grow. So we love you, God, and we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. So, church, here's what I'm hoping this week. As you eat some cereal, that you'll remember some of these points and uh, you'll be able to grow in that. So we'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.